And it's great to see all of you here today as uh, we celebrate Christ and, and uh, worship our Lord and Savior. Man, it's great to be together. And we are just getting fuller and fuller in here. And um, we'll figure it out. But don't stop coming. We'll figure it out. But it's great to see all of you. And, it's, and again, this is your very first time here. Welcome. Glad you are here. I think you are here at just the right time because the stuff we're talking about together as a church family will absolutely help you decide whether this is where God wants you to be or not. We're so thrilled that you're here and we hope you'll continue to come as the Lord implants upon your heart what it is you're supposed to do. Now, before we get into all that today, though, um, how many of you know that uh, kids are going back to school tomorrow? There we go. I knew, I knew there'd be a mom or two in here that shouted out. You know, are, are, are you, whoever did that, are you one of the moms that sits in the driveway as the bus goes by and like, see you later? I know. Um, Anyway, what we want to do, just take a couple moments. Um, kids go back to school tomorrow. But if you are here today and you are, you work for the school in some capacity. You are a teacher, an administrator. You work in the lunchroom. You drive a school bus. You, whatever, any role at all that uh, puts you in our school system. We're a homeschool parent getting ready to start the new school year. If that is you, would you raise your hand? Working for the school in any capacity, anyway. I'm not going to talk up into college or whatever. Anybody. All right, you guys see these hands going up now? Keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Um, I want the rest, we're gonna pray for you. Can, will you allow us to pray for you? And, and if you're around somebody with their hands up, would you just kind of reach your hand out, just kind of point to them just a little bit. Just, just kind of motion, have some kind of movement in here. Motion towards them. And so, Jim, I like that. You got the double hand going one way. And I love it, I love it, fantastic. And as a church family, we're just gonna pray for you, if you'll allow us. Lord, Lord we just... Um, we lift up all of our folks that are in the educational world. Lord, whether they are teaching or some other capacity, Lord, they're going into a modern day mission field for you. Lord, it's a complicated one. Lord, we know that it's full of mixed messages and, and opposing agendas at every turn. But Lord, I pray for those that are going in there this week and this year that represent you. And we pray for wisdom, Lord. We pray that, uh, that uh, in every environment, every interaction, whether it be with a student or another teacher or administrator, Lord, or whomever, that, Lord, everything they say would be words that you ordain, things that, Lord, would, would bring glory to you and shine a light on you, Lord. And I pray that if any of them encounter a moment where they have to stand on, on solid ground and stand on Christ, Lord, you give them the strength, the words, the boldness to do it, and the compassion that comes with it. Lord, I pray as they interact with students, Lord, that as these kids walk through a multiplicity of needs and issues that come from all different kinds of places, Lord, let it be known that when they interact with us, they're going to see Christ in us in one way or the other. But Lord, I just pray you give all of our teachers and, and workers uh, perseverance in those moments, Lord, this year when, when they're going to wonder if it's worth it still, they're going to wonder if... Uh, if they're making a difference, Lord, I pray it's in those moments that you just, through your Holy Spirit, you just come around them and say, I'm right here with you. You are not in this alone. I'm with you. So, Lord, I also pray for our students going back to school. They're going into the same mission field. Lord, I pray for those students who are contemplating a decision to follow you, Lord. I pray they make it this year. Lord, I pray for our kids that in those moments where they must choose between following you and standing on your word versus going with the crowd, I pray, Lord, they will take a bold stand. Lord, I pray that you use our kids here from new life to make a change in the school, a change for you. Lord, all of these things, we just pray in your name. 
the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Well, you know, you guys continue to pray for those who had their hands up, and we will continue to pray for you as a church, and I hope you know that uh, you are part of a whole army here at New Life, and I hope you know you got the backing of the Lord in us with you. Hey, we're in a series called That Kind of Church, and we are spending a few weeks together just talking about the very things that make our church tick. Uh, the things that are at the very heart of our church family, the things that God has called us to do and things to be all about. And if you weren't able to be here last week, I hope you at least took a few minutes to go online and listen to that sermon or watch it because that sermon sets the stage for this whole series. There's so many foundational things that we talked about last week. And if you still haven't done that, take some time this week and go back and listen to it. I just can't stress that enough. In that sermon, we talked about our mission statement. All these things led to us to write out a mission statement that will guide our church family. And I'm going to put you to the test. I want to see how well you remember this. I said, everybody commit it to memory. All right. Well, let's going to say it together. We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. You bunch of cheaters. I'm kidding. I knew it was up there. Let's say it together one more time. We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. That's right. It's simple. It is straightforward. It's to the point. And we believe that that statement right there captures the very heart of Jesus' commission to his disciples to, to make disciples, to win them to the Lord, and to help them grow into this new life in Christ. The words that I'm referring to are the words of Jesus in Matthew 28. We looked at them this last week, but I want them to be fresh on your mind today. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came to them. These are to his disciples. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So make disciples. That is the charge. Go and make disciples. Make no mistake. Jesus' intention here, when he said those words to his disciples, is I want you to go from this place. As you move forward, I want you to go and turn people into what you are. So these disciples, over these few years with Jesus, they had become true followers of Jesus, true believers. They heard everything he said. They saw the miracles. They witnessed his death and resurrection. They were fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And he's like, I want you to go and turn people into what you have become. That is the command. So you got to go. That's what it is. You got to go. You got to be willing to share. You got to have a heart for people. You got to, you see somebody that, that doesn't know that the Lord died on the cross. You got to share with them. You got to have that compassion. You gotta, I want you to have what I've got. I want you to be what I am. You got to go. And what else did he say? You got to baptize. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus talking about help them unite and identify with the foundational aspects of our faith, which is Jesus' death and resurrection. It's what baptism is all about. And he said, I want you to teach them. Teach them what? Well, teach them everything I've told you. Teach them everything I've commanded. Teach them to obey the words that I've said to you. You know, we know that those things that Jesus commanded the disciples to obey, that they turned around and taught to the church, would wind up in what we know today as the New Testament, the Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the rest of the letters of the New Testament. It's all full of what was delivered to, to the church. Go, baptize, teach, make 
disciples. You will then experience what the New Testament calls a brand new life. This new life in Christ, new creation, where the old is gone and the new has come. We are disciples who make disciples. At the very heart of every truly healthy church is that concept, disciples making disciples, which is the very kind of church, the healthy church, that we want to be here at New Life. So, like I said, we took all of that. And we tried to put it down into a singular statement, a guiding statement that uh, was based on the commands of Jesus that could be reflected in our church family. And that's where we landed. We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. So the next question, the natural next question in the progression of thinking is, if that's our mission, then how are we going to accomplish it? How are we going to fulfill this mission of leading all people to new life in Christ? And that, my friends, in my personal opinion, this vision question of how we're going to do it, that is where everything comes together or everything falls apart. It's in vision. How are we going to do it? It's either going to all come together or it's going to completely all fall apart. And I would illustrate it like this, and the point I'm trying to make, I, I, would, I would illustrate it in a very practical way that all of us understand. If your mission in life is to get fit and be healthy, like you wake up one day with this determination, you look in the mirror and you say, I'm going to get fit, I want to look better, I want to be healthy, I want to feel better, and I, I'm just, I'm going to get fit and healthy. Well, what you have done is you have determined now your mission, your mission. It's very clear, I, I'm going to get fit and be healthy. That is my mission. Well, then the next crucial question is this, how are you going to make it happen? How are you going to get fit and how are you going to get healthy? That, my friends, is actually your vision. How I'm going to do it. How am I going to do it? Well, part of your vision is going to unfold sounding something like this. Well, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to intentionally change my eating habits. I'm going to quit eating all the junk food, and I'm only going to take in food to my body that is going to help me be healthy and fit and in shape and help me accomplish my mission. I'm going to read a book on nutrition. I'm going to consult a doctor on nutrition. I'm going to take these steps. These steps now become my vision of how I'm going to get fit and healthy. Part of your vision would also say something to the effect of, I'm going to intentionally set out to be a more active person. So I'm going to create a plan for exercise. I'm going to get on a schedule. I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to hire a trainer. I'm going to find an exercise buddy. You, you take these steps. This is how I'm going to accomplish my mission of getting fit and healthy. You might say, I'm going to intentionally get more rest. And here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to create a bedtime and I'm going to stick to that bedtime. And I'm going to set a rise time. And I'm going to get up at that rise time. And I'm going to do certain things when I get up. I'm going to set some patterns. In other words, I'm going to jettison all the stuff that's in inhibiting me from good eating habits, rest, and exercise. Now, what you've done is you have defined your vision, how I am going to accomplish my mission of getting fit and healthy. And here's what we all instinctively know about getting in shape and being healthy, because this is the one thing that I promise you everybody in this room has thought about or is thinking about. And we tend to think about it more around January 1st and 2nd of every year. Here's what we all instinctively know, is that you can easily define your mission. I'm going to get in shape and be healthy. But if you have no vision, I've got no plan, no idea how I'm going to make that happen. If you've got mission, but you've got no vision, well, you're never going to get into shape. You're just going to spend a lot of time thinking about it, but no more than that. You know, in a very same kind of way, 
That's exactly what we're talking about here as a church in this series. We know what we are determined to do, our mission. We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. So how are we going to accomplish it? That is our vision. And in my opinion right there, when it comes to vision, this is where many potentially great churches come up short. They never really work out or resolve their vision. Or perhaps they used to have one years ago, but they never adjusted their vision or tried to do anything different. And the culture, the world they were trying to reach ran off and left them in the dust. And all of a sudden they're talking a foreign language to the people of today. And so that's why you walk into a lot of churches today and it feels like you're walking back in time. You're walking into a time capsule. It is why our nation is uh, covered in churches that simply exist and in many cases are dying a very slow death because they have no vision or they've lost their vision or they've lost their drive to make disciples, to do the very core thing that the Lord has caused, called them to do or they have completely lost focus of what it is they're actually, of their mission. Their mission is wrong. So friends, I'm talking about our mission and our vision coming together. And that's what the rest of this series is all about. Last week was about our mission. This week and the next couple weekends together is about our vision. I wanna tell you all about it. This is gonna come out of me in a very straightforward way. Kind of this, uh, the facts and nothing but the facts kind of sermon today. That's just the way it developed. And so if you're here for jokes and laughs and tears, well, you might get a little, but it's not that kind of sermon. But I got jokes for days, so come back again. All right, I'll, well, it's just not that kind of sermon. I, I want to tell you about what actually ended up becoming, as the elders and I and the staff, we were working on this this year, it actually started to unfold in what I would just simply refer to as like a five-bullet-point vision for our church. There's nothing special about that. It's just as it unfolded, it came out of us in five bullet point statements. I'm only going to talk about one of those bullet points today. There's not any particular order. I could talk about any of them. Um, they're all of equal value, all part of our vision. But I'm going to tell you about, about one of them today. And when I do, I suspect that many of you are going to hear it and you're going to say something like this. But of course that's our vision. I think you're going to be like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think some of you are going to go, and especially as you look back a few weeks from now and look back on what we've covered, I think you're going to say things like, isn't that what we are already doing? And, and friends, I'm saying yes, because we are not breaking new ground here with this series. There's not some grand epiphany that I'm going to be sharing with you of things you've never heard of before when it comes to our mission and vision. I hope that a whole lot of this sounds very familiar, and it should because we talk about these kinds of things quite often. It's just we are taking some time here to put it together in a context that makes sense. You understand the full picture of what it is we're trying to do. Remember what I said about this series about our church? We're like driving a race car that is coming in for a pit stop because we need some gas, we need some tires, and we need to make a few adjustments to the car. Why? So that we can drive this race and run this race at the highest level possible and we are equipped and positioned to get to the finish line. It's not because we are running a brand new race and it's not because we have forgotten how to run this race. We are just making sure that we are all running it together. 
in unity. The Lord has blessed our church family with so many new people over the last couple of years that we just want to make sure that we are unified together because what the Lord has in front of us is so incredibly awesome. I don't think we can fully comprehend all that God is going to do just yet. We just know he's doing it and we can see it. And we can point to things and we can look back a couple years and see what got us to this point. We know that God's doing something incredible. And that's why if you're looking for a church right now, this is the very best time for you to be checking out New Life Christian Church. And if you're watching online right now and you're sitting at home and you're wondering, Lord, is this where I'm supposed to be? This is the series for you. This is the series that's going to help you figure that out. And I promise you by the time we're done, you're going to know if this is or isn't where the Lord is planting you. So something really incredible is happening here. And it's going to unfold in this five bullet point vision. And the first one is this. So we exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. How are we going to accomplish this vision? Well, here's bullet point number one. It's the only thing we're going to talk about today. Life groups, Bible studies, and targeted ministry opportunities for all ages are the vehicles for discipleship and care. I just want you to Read that a few times silently. Take it in. It's familiar language. Just read it. Life groups, Bible studies, and in targeted ministries for all ages are the vehicles for discipleship and care. When we're talking about a new life in Christ, we are very much talking about discipleship. Discipleship. Jesus said to his disciples what in Matthew 28? We just read it a few minutes ago. He said to his disciples, I want you to go, make, I want you to what? Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. At its foundational level, we're talking nuts and bolts. We're talking down to the frame here of the church and who we are and what we're doing. Teach them to obey me. Teach them to obey. Share with them all that you know about me. I want you to turn them into what you are, what you have been becoming these last three years. Turn them into that. You might recall after Jesus said these words, we talked about this last week, they went out in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit came on them, they preached, 3,000 people repented of their sins and were baptized and all of a sudden you have this thing called the church that was born with 3,000 people in it. And it says there in Acts 2 that these 3,000 people, these first Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The apostles' teachings was the disciples' unloading, downloading, offloading, whatever words you want to say, all of this stuff they've learned about Jesus. I'm going to transfer this information from me to you so that you can also obey and follow and become like Jesus. So that's what they did. They taught the church how to become like Jesus and everything that, that uh, he taught them. So learning everything you can about Jesus today from the New Testament, being involved with other Christians, coming to church, being in Bible studies, all, learning everything you can about Jesus so that you can obey him just like the disciples are trying to teach the church and so you can be more like him. Friends, that process, that description, what I am defining here for you is what we call discipleship. Discipleship. In fact, if you want a more technical definition, here's what discipleship is. It's the process of making someone become like Jesus. 
That is discipleship. It's the process of making someone become like Jesus. So this here, us at New Life Christian Church, all of us, we are determined to lead all people to new life in Christ. This process involves discipleship, teaching them to obey, to become more like Jesus. And I want you to know something. Every last one of us in this room who calls Christ our Savior is in the process of discipleship. We all are. We're all growing to be more like Jesus. This is an individual pursuit as well as um, a, a corporate pursuit, if you will, as a church family, the body of Christ together, encouraging one another along in unity and love. I mean, this is, we're all in this together. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are in this discipleship journey. I am growing every day to try. I'm striving to be more like Jesus. And the more I learn, the more I study, the more that, uh, that, that uh, I grow as a Christian. And I become more like Jesus. Discipleship. You know, in 1 John chapter 2, the apostle John, who was there when Jesus said this words, these words, go and teach, command them to teach, command them to obey everything I taught you. John heard it with his own ears. So it should not surprise us that years later when he's writing letters to the church, he writes this, 1 John 2, 3, he tells the church, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It totally makes sense why John would say that because he's basically just repeating Jesus' command. So we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Now that is strong language. He's saying, if you're a Christian in name only, what we would call that, he's actually calling you a liar. You're not a truth teller because you say you know him, but you don't. It's funny how that was even happening in the church all those years ago. He says the truth is not in that person, but... If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So, from the day you said, I believe, I repent of my sins, I want to unite with Christ and be baptized, your own personal day of Pentecost, from that moment that you became a believer, united with Christ, you began a discipleship journey, the process of becoming like Jesus and more like Jesus every day. I want you to know something. Somebody gets saved like that, but you will spend the rest of your life becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Life in Christ, this discipleship journey, is a growth journey. In other words, you should be more like Christ today than you were a year ago. You should be more like Christ um, a year from now than you are today. You are growing and, and you get in, your, in the word. You're part of the church family. This is what it looks like to be, have a new life in Christ. God is doing something brand new. You could have cared less about being like Jesus before you were saved, but now it is the primary focus of your walk with him. I want to be more like you. Discipleship. Paul said it like this in Galatians 2, 23. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Friends, when we are baptized into Christ, you unite with him in his death and his resurrection. I've been crucified with Christ. I've united with him in that way. And so this is what Paul's saying. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live 
in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. There has been a transformation take place in him. And now he is moving more like Jesus every day. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is this clear call throughout all the pages of the New Testament to become like Jesus. It is at the heart of the very charge that Jesus gave to his disciples to teach the church, and that's what they did. So every last one of us, my friends, is on that same journey. It's a discipleship journey to be more like Jesus. Now, if you're going to become more like Jesus, you are going to start to take on some of Jesus' attributes. So if you're going to become like Jesus, then you're going to start to act, think, and look, and do the things that Jesus was doing. And what is one of the, the key fundamental aspects of Jesus' character? I mean, you read the Gospels. It's just loud and clear. What is it that Jesus, that stands out? It is that he was a man of compassion and care. If you're familiar with the New Testament, and especially the Gospels, how many times did, did, do you read he had compassion on them? He saw them. His heart went out to them. Jesus' level of compassion was unmatched. I don't know if any of us has matched Jesus' compassion just yet, but we are growing to be like him in every way. Like, I'm thinking about the time that uh, he got the word that John the Baptist had been killed. And it, and it hurt him. You know, he was fully God and man at the same time. And, and Jesus had a very emotional response. It's not un, unlike any of the response we have. When you get bad news, our natural tendency is like, just leave me alone. Jesus gets in a boat so he could go get some quiet time, some alone time. And, and he was with a ton of people. He said, I'm, I'm going to get away from you people for a while. Well, so he gets on this boat and he goes out to the Sea of Galilee. Well, the Sea of Galilee is not that big. And, and you can see all the way across in many places. The people that were with you, they could see him and they could kind of predict. Oh, it looks like he's kind of going this. I think he's going to come ashore well, as all these people ran the couple miles around the lake. And guess what Jesus found when he brought the boat to shore? All those people had followed him. He's hurting. He's emotional. But it says in Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed, when, when the boat came to shore, he saw a large crowd. Remember, he just wants to be alone. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. There's stories like this all over. There. There's just something about Jesus. He just cared for people, loved people. There's this love of Christ. He just came out. It's like, I, I get it. I'm going to heal some of you. I'm, I'm, I just have great compassion for you. There was another time that we read um, Jesus was traveling into this town, and he comes across a funeral procession. In fact, it's in Luke chapter 7, verse 12. The Bible says, as, as Jesus approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. You guys get the picture, right? Jesus is just kind of walking along. Big funeral procession. And they're carrying the dead body out of town. When the Lord saw her, this mother who just lost her only son. And she's a widow herself. That's it. She's alone. The Bible says his heart went out to her. His heart went out. This is this compassion, kindness. I feel it. I can't, is there anything I can do? His heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer. And it's like an open coffin that they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Friends, this is one funeral that all those people are never going to forget. 
Can you imagine every funeral from that point on where, well, if Jesus shows up, we know what's going to happen. You might have a chance, buddy. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and he said, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What motivated Jesus to do such a thing? This isn't the first widow to ever lose her one and only son. This isn't a first time. It just says his heart went out to her. He cared about her. Cared about her feelings. Cared about what she was going through. He was equipped to do something about it. So he did. This kind of compassion and care was commonplace for Jesus. It's who he was. And as disciples of Jesus who are on this discipleship journey to be like Jesus more and more every day, it should be an area of our lives that we are growing in too. Discipleship is the process of making someone become like Jesus. Care is what? It's demonstrating the heart of Jesus through our actions. That's what care is. That's what compassion is. Demonstrating the heart of Jesus through our actions. That really, when you think about what care and compassion is, it's grounded in the actions of Jesus, who we are striving to be like every day. Not only is that the right thing to do for Christians, but when you have a church family, when all of them are striving to become more like Jesus every day and are starting to take on and develop these attributes of Christ, including care and compassion. When you have a group of Christians empowered by the Holy Spirit, friends, you compound that together, that's what shines in a way that we not could hardly even imagine. That's what shines the light on what the Lord is doing. And I tell you, Bella Vista will take notice. They're going to take notice and they're going to go, what are those crazy Christians doing now? Some of them will say, I want that too. Paul said this in Galatians 6 2. He said, carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 3 says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. Discipleship, and care, becoming like Jesus and demonstrating the heart of Jesus. It's foundational to every Christian life. It's got to be foundational to our church family. So how are we going to intentionally move towards, make some decisions about accomplishing this concept, this vision, or excuse me, this mission of, of, of existing to lead all people to new life in Christ? How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do it like this. Let's look at our vision again. Well, life groups are going to be a part of that. Bible studies are going to be a part of that. Targeted ministry opportunities for all ages are going to be a part of that. These are going to be the vehicles for discipleship, helping people become like Jesus, and care, fulfilling these actions that are the attributes of our Savior, Jesus, which come together because we're growing more like him and the care, care and compassion will be more natural. Now, are there a lot of ways to accomplish discipleship and care? Absolutely. But these are going to be our vehicles for discipleship and care. I hate to break the news to you, but there's not a church in America or in the world that can do everything and be everything to all people. Just can't do it. And if you're looking for a church that can be everything and is everything and to do everything, you're not finding it here. But I can tell you that what we can do 
and what we can do well is what we are choosing to focus on in our vision. We're going to do these things very well because it's all part of discipleship and care. So life groups, Bible studies, and targeted ministries for all ages. And what do I mean? I'm going to walk through this real quick. You know, this is a sermon, kind of the facts, nothing but the facts. When I say targeted ministry opportunities, what exactly am I talking about? I'm talking about a number of the ministries we have at the church. When I say targeted, there's a very specific reason for why we are doing this and who we're trying to reach with it with discipleship and care. It's like take our New Life Kids, led by our children's director, Sarah Q. You know, that is for any kid that's in diapers all the way up to sixth grade. And they meet, actually, they're meeting right now. They're meeting right below us. In fact, if everyone were to stomp their feet really hard, all these children would look up at the ceiling and go, what is going on? You know, before we remodeled this room or right after we remodeled this room um, uh, and our children's ministry was growing so much that uh, their singing and their music was so loud that it was coming through the floor. Uh, and when, we were, when I was preaching and I could see people being distracted, I said, hey, folks, listen, that's just the sound of a healthy church. You got all these kids singing praises. Now, we did soundproof the floor after that, but that's beside the point. <laughs> you don't hear them anymore, do you? And we, we soundproofed this whole floor, and we made them turn the bass down. But other than that, they're still doing the same stuff, all right? We want kids to know Jesus. We want to plant seeds of faith. We want them to enjoy church. We want them to look forward to coming to church. We want them to be more excited than even their parents are about coming to church. We want the seeds of faith to be planted so deep that it will grow when you put a little spiritual water and nourishment on it. And, and, and so, yeah, helping these children become like Christ and to understand and develop some of these attributes of Christ very early. When I say targeted ministry opportunities, I'm talking about like, like our New Life students, which is led by our student pastor, Taylor Duke, and it's a ministry targeted to 7th graders through 12th graders. And it meets on Wednesday nights. And I'll just tell you right now that we are gearing up. Our kickoff for this fall is August 31st. And if your kids aren't involved or, 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 or you have grandkids or know anything about it, Get them here on August 31st. If they're a 7th through 12th grader, they're going to love it. It's, 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 it's all, we're primed for something special happening this fall. I really do believe that. But why do we have a targeted ministry to students? Because we are very much interested in them becoming a new, a new life in Christ, becoming like Jesus, planting seeds of faith, following Christ, Developing the attributes of Christ. When I think of targeted ministries, I'm talking about men's and women's ministries that are targeted ministries, specifically designed, discipleship and care. I'm talking about some of our other ministries. The list could go on and on. You go to our website and look at it. So we're going to focus in on these targeted ministries to help. Be, I mean, there are these vehicles to, to guide us to help people become more like Jesus and develop his attributes like care, compassion. Um, Bible studies, you're going to see that in our vision. Well, it's pretty simplistic. Bible study. Every single person in this church family has got to get into the Word of God. I don't think you'll ever become what the Lord wants you to be without knowing His Word and putting yourself in a position to obey it because you know it. Bible studies. So we encourage it. You get in the Word. Pull in a buddy, get in the Word, get a small group of people together, study God's Word, online, in person, at a restaurant, coffee, wherever, get into God's Word. Discipleship, care, all that stuff is born out of that. And then life groups. You see the word life group there. All these words should be familiar to you. When I say life group, I'm talking about a small group of people that is organized in our church, about 8 to 12 people in every life group. They meet in somebody's home throughout the week. And they meet together so that they can grow in their faith and to develop this incredible community that we're trying to develop here at New Life. And they focus in on prayer and study. 
fellowship and care. I can tell you that in a life group is like the, one of the very best environments you can ever put yourself in to experience the kind of care that the church is, is uh, capable of giving. Just out of curiosity, how many of you right now are in a life group at New Life or have been in a life group at New Life before? All right, quite a few hands, but not as many as I expected. Um, I want you to know that when, when we think about life groups, we are not a church that offers some life groups. That's not who we are. We are a church of life groups. And those are two completely different things. It's not something we offer. It's something that we are. And if you want to know what I think, I think being in a life group is the bullseye on the target that you're aiming for. I believe getting in these small, as our church gets larger, it's got to get smaller at the same time. And we get smaller into these small groups, these life groups. And that is where you can experience uh, this church family on a level that you cannot experience, in my opinion, without a life group. And some of you are like, that is exactly what I need. I need to get with other people who I can call my friends and they can help me grow and I can help them grow. And we can move into this discipleship journey together. Now, each of our life groups has a leader, and a lot of them, um, not all of them, but a lot of them are led by a husband and wife team. Uh, I can tell you that there is not one life group that looks just like another. They are all so completely unique in every way. And they are unique because each one of them reflects the diversity of our church family. Some of our life groups uh, are, are women only. Some are men only. Some of our life groups are geared around stage of life. Um, you know, so like you know, some of them are like, I don't care, put me with anybody. Let's go. It's, it's, there's all different kinds of, of life groups. And all of them are what we call sermon-based life groups. In other words, they're all studying the same thing together. So, for example, um, when we kick off our life groups in the fall, um, let's just say hypothetically, I'm, uh, well, actually, I'll tell you exactly what I'm preaching. I'm starting September 11th. I'm starting a brand new series through the book of Exodus, all right? So, you know, we went through Genesis and uh, spent 26 weeks. So, in September uh, 11th, I'm going to start a series going through the book of Exodus. You know, it just picks up right where Genesis left. So, in September, we're going to start preaching through Exodus. So, the passage of Scripture that I worked on that week this is what our life groups are going to study. So there's going to be questions. There's going to be further study. There's going to be a group of people in your life who get together to talk about and dig even further in the very things that we're talking about. We will provide a study guide for everybody, whether you're in a life group or not. You can have them. They're going to be on your app. They're going to be out in the atrium. And the whole thing is the whole church is studying this together. And what this has provided for us over the last couple of years is this tremendous sense of alignment and unity through our church family. Because people in these life groups are praying about the same things, they're studying the same things, talking about the same things, and wonderful things have been accomplished through that. So if you'd like to be in one of these life groups, which I consider the bullseye on the target of what we're trying to accomplish, the last week in August and the first week in September, you're going to have the opportunity to sign up. Now, you can go to the app right now and you can put in your information say, I'm in, I want to be in one. That just helps the process. But... Those last, you know, that last week in August, first week in September, our atrium is going to be converted into this life group sign-up area, and you're going to get to meet leaders, you're going to get to sign up, and if you really want to be in a life group, you can get in one those two weekends, and we'll do our best to get everybody in one. Um, it's going to be awesome, but I want to say something to, this won't be saying this to all of you, this is going to be saying this to some of you. I want to challenge some of you right now with this. I want you to step up and be a leader. 
Some of you in this room need to step out on faith and you need to be a leader of a life group. And what I'm saying to you, some of you right now are going, you know what, I think you're right. And I already know that's the response. You're right. The Lord has already been prompting me. I just haven't done it for whatever reason. But you're right, I need to do it. And I am right, you do need to do it. The Lord wants to challenge you. The Lord wants to put you, how do you like that? I am right. The Lord, the Lord, because I am right. The Lord wants to use you to be a part of the discipleship journey of other people in this church. The Lord wants to work through you. He wants to bring some people in your life that will enrich your life, that will, will, will help you become a better Christian, absolutely bring into your life things that aren't there right now. The Lord wants to use you. And if I am talking to you, then I want you to do something. I want you to do it today. I want you to go to our website and just click on the ministries tab. Then the click on the life, life groups drop down. When that page opens, go to the bottom and there you're gonna find a form that's called our life group leader readiness assessment form. Or you can just scan this QR code. You can um, take your phone out, hold the camera up to it, and that will take you right to the link. Sign up and, and what, you're not, what you're not doing is you're not committing yourself. What you're doing is saying, I'm gonna take a step of faith right now. I'm gonna take a step of faith today. I'm gonna fill out this form. It'll just take you a couple minutes to do some basic information. And I'm gonna see what God's gonna do with it. Pastor Cody, our connections pastor, he was the guy that came out and led you all in communion a little bit ago. He's gonna give you a call this week, have a conversation with you. It's not high pressure sales by any means. He's just gonna say, what's God doing in you? What, what, where are we going with this? And you guys will work through that together. There are some of you in this room that need to step out of your current life group and you need to lead one because you know that you can do it and God wants you to do it. So I know those are tough conversations because you're talking about uh, you know, making a change, but you need to do it. So we have this crazy idea that there is a day coming when everybody who calls new life their home will be actively involved in a life group and or a Bible study somewhere and or one of our targeted ministry opportunities because these are the vehicles for discipleship and care here at New Life. So let's pound this drum one more time before we're done. What's our mission? We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ, okay? That's helping them get saved and helping them grow and experience this new life in Christ. How are we gonna do it? Well, bullet point number one, yeah, I have time. We can just do the other four. Uh, no. <laughs> Life groups, Bible studies, targeted ministry opportunities for all ages. There's the vehicles for discipleship and care. Disciples, making disciples is at the heart of every healthy church. Now, come back next week. We're going to unpack some more. This is such an important series of messages, this series we all need to be together and unified. And like I said, my hope when we're done is that our entire church family will be like, yep, I understand it. I kind of knew a lot of this stuff, but now that it's packaged this way in Mission Division, I get it. I know, I know why we're doing what we're doing. Others of you, like, I'm looking for a church and this solidified my search. This is where I want to be or this is where I don't want to be. But this is the series that will answer those questions. I'm going to be praying for you this week, this month. I pray for you all the time anyway. But I'm going to be praying specifically about those two things that God will guide you and shape you. And friends, God's calling you, some of you, to be a life group leader. Don't delay. 
follow through. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you that we can spend this time together. I thank you that we have this time every week to study your word. I give you praise and glory today, God, because you are doing something special in our church family. Lord, like we saw with our baptism today, and we had a couple more last night, we know, Lord, you're moving in people's lives, and we give you all glory and honor. It's all because of you. Lord, now help us become the church that is unified around your mission. Lord, that has a very specific strategy for how we're going to lead all people to new life in Christ. Lord, it's going to take all of us. But we ask for your help. We need your wisdom. We're not good enough by ourselves. We need you. And so, Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit to breathe wind into our sails of what we're trying to do. And we know, Lord, that you will. Thank you, Lord, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.